following is a sermon that was preached at Good News Lutheran Church in Mount Horb, Wisconsin. It was preached on Sunday, June 13, 2021, on the basis of Mark chapter 4, verses 26 through 34. For more information or to view our entire sermon library, visit goodnewslc.org. Thank you for listening. I don't need to know your full medical history to be able to guess that a good many of you, maybe even most of you, have at some point in your lives been to the doctor because there was something wrong with your eyes. Maybe it was simple nearsightedness or farsightedness. Maybe it was something a little bit more severe like glaucoma or cataracts or or some other issue. I also don't need to violate any HIPAA laws to be able to assume the type of treatment that you probably received when you went to the doctor to to fix whatever that problem might have been. Maybe the doctor wrote you a a prescription for some corrective lenses, some contacts or some glasses. Maybe there were some drops that you needed to take or some pills that you needed to take. Maybe you even needed some sort of procedure done on your eyes or some sort of surgery. And for that matter, I would feel very safe in assuming that no matter what problem you may have had, no matter what treatment you may have received, there has never been a doctor who has told you that if your eyes don't work, maybe you should just keep them closed. Maybe you should just walk around at all times with a blindfold on. Maybe you should draw all of the curtains in your house and never turn the lights on again. Of course, we just naturally assume that, that having sight is the goal. And therefore, if our eyes don't work, that's a problem that needs to be fixed. Well, for the past several weeks, we've been talking about how our eyes very often don't work when it comes to God's presence and God's activity in our world. Our eyes often lie to us in terms of where God is and what he is up to in our lives. And if that's the case, it's, it's probably very natural for us to assume that God's goal would be to fix that problem, to fix our spiritual blindness, to enable us to see. And without a doubt, very often God does that. In fact, very often God's word is compared to a light. It helps us see things clearly. It helps us see things correctly. But in other cases, believe it or not, God's goal is very different. In other cases, God wants us to know that our inability to see something is not the problem. It's actually the point. It's not some flaw that needs to be fixed. It's actually by design. And one of those cases is the focus of the word of God that is in front of us today. How does the kingdom of God grow? The kingdom of God is his rule, his gracious ruling activity in the hearts of human beings. And so God's kingdom grows, for example, when someone new starts to believe in Jesus as their Savior for the very first time. God's kingdom grows when someone who is already a believer stays strong or even gets stronger in their faith. God's kingdom grows when Satan's best efforts to pull people away from God are thwarted. So how does that happen? How does that happen to me? 
How does that happen to our children? How does that happen to our church and in our community? How does that happen throughout our country and throughout the world? Those are questions that we as Christians should want to know the answers to. And in these verses, Jesus is going to give us the answers to those questions, only not in the way that you would expect. Not by writing us some sort of prescription for corrective lenses so that we can see a little bit better. Not by performing some sort of spiritual sight surgery to fix our broken eyes. Instead, he's going to do just the opposite. He is going to remind us that our inability to see how God's kingdom grows is not a problem. In fact, it's the point. As we look at these verses from Mark chapter 4 this morning, we're going to see how Jesus shows us how his kingdom grows by keeping us in the dark. Now, that would be a little bit surprising for us to hear, especially if you had actually read the verses that come right before these verses in Mark chapter 4. The verses that come right before these are actually one of those examples in Scripture where God compares his word to a light. And in fact, Jesus says the whole point of having a light is to put it up on a stand so that it allows everyone in the room to be able to see. And in fact, Jesus is very much doing that with these two parables that he tells. One of the things that Jesus' two parables here make very clear and do enable us to see is what is the intended outcome of growth of the kingdom of God. In the first parable, the kingdom of God is compared to a field of crops. So seeds are scattered in the field, the seeds sprout, the seeds grow, eventually the seeds produce fruit, they produce grain, and as soon as the grain is ripe, the harvest comes. So one of the intended outcomes of growth of the kingdom of God is that people would be made ready for the harvest. That when our Lord Jesus Christ comes back, he would gather, he would harvest into his barn those who belong to the kingdom of God. The second parable points us to a, a slightly different intended outcome of growth of the kingdom of God. In that parable, once again, a seed is planted, but this time that seed turns into a mustard tree, turns into a, a plant, a tree even that is so big, so strong, and so sturdy that birds of the air can come and find shade in its leaves and perch in its branches. And so an intended outcome of God's kingdom growing is that the people of this world would find refuge and find refreshment, that people who are worn and weary from the intensity of the heat of life in this world would be able to perch in the branches of God's kingdom. The intent of God's kingdom growing is that it would be a blessing even to those who are outside of that kingdom. So Jesus' parables very clearly help us see that. And yet for as much as they bring into the light, they keep just as much in the dark. For as much as they help us see, they keep just as much hidden. That first parable that Jesus told focuses on the process by which God's kingdom grows. So a farmer plants a bunch of seed in a field and eventually it turns into grain that is ready to be harvested. But, but how? Jesus explicitly says that even the farmer does not know. 
Whether he wakes or whether he sleeps, it just happens. In fact, it happens seemingly automatically. It happens all by itself. In other words, we can very much see the results of that growth, but we cannot see the process that brings it about. In the second parable, the focus is more on the power that causes God's kingdom to grow. So there the seed turns into this big, strong, sturdy mustard tree, but you would never have guessed that that was going to happen if you had looked at the seed that was planted in the ground. As Jesus points out, the mustard seed was the smallest of all seeds that was used in agriculture in those days. And so out of all the things that you would have expected to turn into this strong and sturdy tree, that mustard seed would have been at the very bottom of the list. Again, you can see the results and the intended outcome of the kingdom of God growing, but the power that produces it remains hidden from view. In a lot of ways, what Jesus does with these two parables is sort of like what parents often do with their children. Imagine a, a father who says to his son, son, let's go outside and, and let's clean up the garage. The garage sure is messy. I know it's a hot day outside, but let's go spend an hour cleaning up the garage. And if we do that, if you help me out, if we work together and we get the job done, then when the work is finished, we'll hop in the car and I'll take you to go get a treat. And so the son, of course, naturally asks, well, where are we going? And the father says, it's a surprise. And the son says, no, seriously, where are we going? And the father says, I told you already, it's a surprise. When the father tells his son that where, where they are going is a surprise, his revelation to his son is not by any, ways, by any means flawed or incomplete. It's the very thing he wants his son to know. He wants him to know that it is a surprise. And Jesus is doing the very same thing in these parables. The entire purpose of his revelation is to keep certain things hidden. The entire purpose of his revelation is to keep cer certain secrets secret. Of course, we don't like that very much, do we? We would love to just be able to see it all. We would love to be able to see and understand the entire process and the entire power by which God's kingdom grows because, of course, if we understood that process and that power, then we could control it. We could operate it. We could manipulate it, in fact. So part of the goal of growth in the kingdom of God is that people would be ready for the harvest. I don't know about you, but I want to be ready for the harvest. So, like, what exactly does that take? How many times do I need to go to church for that to be the case? How often do I need to read my Bible for that to be the case? How much about God do I need to study and learn and remember for that to be the case? I want my kids to be ready for the harvest too. So like, what exactly does that take? Just how much religion do I really need to give them? How long do I need to, to get them up on Sunday mornings and, and even sort of drag them to church? And at what age can I, can I kind of just leave them alone and let them sleep in if that's what they want to do? We want our church to grow, of course. We want more people to be brought into the kingdom of God. So how exactly does that work? What exactly do we need to do? What types of events do we need to hold and programs do we need to offer? What types of messaging do we need to use in our advertising? If part of the goal of God's kingdom growing is that we, as members of the kingdom of God, would be a blessing to the people in our lives, how does that work? I've got these sins 
that I just keep committing over and over and over again. And, and in addition to the guilt that those cause me to feel, you're doing a lot of harm in my relationship with others. So give me a plan. Give me a process to make those sins go away. If we look around and we see a community or even an entire country sort of wandering away from God and embracing a path that leads to evil, what's the process for how we turn all of that around? We want to know that. We want to understand that so that we can control that. We also want to know the power that is at work in the growth of the kingdom of God so that we can know for certain when it's working. This week I was having a, a conversation with someone about all the products that we use where the manufacturers of those products actually add in effects that have nothing to do with the actual effectiveness of the, prob of the product. The entire point is to lead the user to believe that the product is actually working. So that tingly feeling you get in your mouth when you use toothpaste and all of the, the suds and the bubbles that come when you rub shampoo through your hair and that, that scent that you smell when you spray Febreze in the air to try and eliminate an odor. None of those things have anything to do with the effectiveness of those products. They are all added in just so that you, the user, can sense, can observe, can feel, can see that they are working. In the very same way, boy, it sure would be nice if somehow we could see the power that is at work in the growth of the kingdom of God so that we would know in our lives and in the lives of the people we love that it's really taking root, that it, it really is producing its intended effect. Instead, Jesus leaves us in the dark. There are certain truths about the growth of his kingdom that he leaves invisible, hidden, and mysterious. The entire purpose of his revelation is to keep certain secrets secret. And again, that's not a problem. That's the point. It's not some flaw that needs to be fixed. That's actually Jesus' design. In fact, that's what Mark points out to us after telling us about these two parables that Jesus told. He tells us that Jesus said many parables, spoke many parables to these crowds of people. In fact, there were very few instances where he addressed crowds of people and did not use a parable. And then Mark tells us about the, the effect that all of those parables had. That yes, there were people who remained outside the kingdom of God, probably in part because they wanted to know. They wanted to fully understand. They wanted maybe even to be in control. And when they found out that they couldn't or that they wouldn't get that control, they said, no, thank you. But then Mark tells us that they were also Jesus' disciples. And when they heard these parables, they understood. Yes, understood the things that Jesus clearly revealed, but also understood in the sense that they understood there were certain things that they just weren't supposed to understand. In fact, isn't that the very nature of what makes a disciple of Jesus a disciple? The humility to acknowledge that there are certain things that are probably best left completely out of our view. That there are certain things that are best left completely in the hands of God. If Jesus revealed absolutely everything to us about how his kingdom grows, it would be irresistible, impossible for us not to want to take control, not to want to do it ourselves. And if that were the case, do you know what would happen? 
Well, for starters, this wonderful kingdom would have never been established in the first place. Because none of us would have ever come up with a plan for establishing this kingdom that God came up with. None of us would have ever thought that the way to establish this wonderful and glorious kingdom was to take the crown prince of that kingdom and make him the scapegoat for all the rebellious and traitorous subjects of the kingdom. None of us would have ever thought to win the victory against all of the kingdom's enemies through what sure looked like defeat. None of us would have ever thought to secure life through death. None of us would have ever thought to demonstrate God's own divine power through weakness and God's own divine wisdom through foolishness. None of us would have ever thought to extend to rebels and traitors and dissidents and defectors the full-fledged rights of being citizens in that kingdom, absolutely free of charge. And yet that's exactly what our God has done through the work of Jesus Christ. Thank goodness we are not in control. Do you know what else would have never happened in God's kingdom had we been in charge? Any of the incredible, unbelievable things that have happened in God's kingdom over the years. You know, as we sit here today, we're kind of at this exciting place in our history as a congregation. It's this brand new chapter as we have our first service in this new place, and even more so as we look forward to our permanent location at some point, hopefully in the very near future. And I can say with absolute certainty that if somehow I had been given the ability to sit down eight years ago when our church got started and write out a very detailed plan, a very detailed script of how I would have liked to see the kingdom of God grow through our church, I know with absolute certainty it would have been nothing compared to what God has actually done. And I can say with absolute certainty that if I were given the opportunity to sit down today and do the very same thing about the next decade of our church's future, it would be totally lame compared to what I'm confident our God is going to do. And really all of us can say the same thing as individuals too, as we look at our own individual histories as members of the kingdom of God, that if we could have somehow come up with our own plan for how exactly that should look, it would be totally boring compared to what God has actually done. This life he has given us, where, when he seems to be farthest away, he's actually closest at hand. And where we seem to be struggling the most, he actually has us tightest in his grip. Thank goodness we are not in control. Finally, do you know what else would never happen if we were in control? The actual work that God wants us to be doing. Yes, these, these two parables are, are different in many ways. One focuses on the process by which God's kingdom grows. One focuses on the power that causes it to happen. But in both cases, it starts with a seed. And even if we don't know the process or the power by which a seed grows into a plant, even if we can't see that for ourselves, we know what you do with a seed, right? A seed needs to be planted. A seed needs to be sown. And so by keeping hidden, by keeping in the dark, by keeping out of view the things that are far above our pay grade, Jesus sets us free to focus on the work that he's actually given us to spend all of our time and all of our energy sowing that seed. 
sowing it in our own hearts as we gather to hear and learn his word, sowing it in the hearts of our children as we bring them to the feet of Jesus to listen to his voice, sowing them in the hearts of our friends and our family members as we share Jesus' love. We are free to simply do the work that Jesus has given us to do, the work of sowing and sowing and sowing that seed. And of course, it is through that sowing that the growing of God's kingdom happens. So it's not just that Jesus' revelation keeps certain secrets secret. It's that God's kingdom grows, and God's kingdom grows best when those secrets stay secret. And as if all of that isn't good enough, on top of that, by keeping all of those secrets, Jesus doesn't ruin our surprise. I suppose it's entirely conceivable that after putting in all of that hard work with his dad in the heat of the day, a child would be taken to get some sort of treat, and, and no matter what that treat might be, the child would be disappointed. I mean, parents in the room know there's only, only so many times you can take your kids to Culver's with one of those free coupons for a scoop of the flavor of the day, and eventually it just kind of gets a little bit old. It loses its luster. Thankfully, that is never going to happen when it comes to the growth of the kingdom of God. Yes, for the time being, we put our head down and we do the work that Jesus has given us to do, the work of sowing that seed. Even though we don't know how or why that seed grows, we can be completely confident that it will. And then eventually when that day comes, when our sight is perfectly corrected, when all darkness gives way to glorious and endless day, when never again will our eyes mislead or deceive us, when we see what God has been up to with perfect, crystal clear 2020 vision, it will be better than anything we could have ever imagined. Amen. <laughs>